Michael Jones, we got Eric Beto Robert running the board over there. And How you doing, Dr. Jones? I'm doing great. You know, every Saturday we come in between 10 and 11 here yep. on 97.1 FM News Talk, and we talk about your health, mm-hmm. um, breaking technology, uh, things that are in the dreaded mainstream media that may uh, relate to your health. Um, so that's what we're going to do again today. Uh, I want to welcome all the listeners back. Hey, we had a pretty pretty good show last week. We did. Um, had you, a lot of good comments on it. My, uh, my massive massive supply of uh, high-dose vitamin C supplements <laughs> arrived at my <laughs> doorstep on Thursday. Very good, very so. good, yeah. And I took my own advice and took a lot of vitamin C yeah. over the week, and I sound a little bit better than I did last week. So Just in good. case you missed last week's show, we talked about uh, some new studies on high-dose vitamin C uh, and, and the impact that it can have on uh, your health in many circumstances. And it, it, I tell you what, I got a lot of feedback. I don't know about you. Yeah, I heard a lot, a lot about that show. It, positive heard? feedback, yeah. by the way. Sometimes we get a lot of feedback and it's not... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, it's negative feedback. Yeah. Uh, but hey, if you want to give us feedback, go. Uh, you can go to ionhealthradio.com and um, there's a there's a submit button where you can give us maybe ideas for shows or maybe you've had a good interaction with a, a local doctor or healthcare provider that uh, you want us to talk about. So give us some ideas. We're always looking for them. We've got great guests lined up over the next couple of months. Um, so stay tuned for that. And if you missed any of the old shows, you can find the podcast on the 97.1 FM News Talk website or on our website, ionhealthradio.com. There you go. Right. Did I get it right? You got it right. Okay, very good. Hey, before we get into everything, and uh, by the way, uh, what I do want to talk about today actually was in the mainstream media again. Um, usually, if you if you pay attention during the week, you'll see one or two things that are health-related that pop up in the mainstream mm-hmm. uh, media. And uh, this was just in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, I believe, an opinion piece on over-medicating kids with ADD or ADHD. Yep. Now, we've done, well, over the last six or seven years or however long we've been on air, we've done several shows on sure. ADD and ADHD. We've had experts in, both from psychology and psychiatry and uh, child health care professionals. So we've done multiple topics on this, but here again, it pops up on the, in the mainstream press in a, an opinion piece on the Wall Street Journal. So I want to just refresh our memory on some of the real data that's out there about ADD and ADHD, like really what it is, yeah. and is it being misdiagnosed or overdiagnosed, and then thusly are we over-medicating our children with some of these uh, some of these medicines or treatments. So that's really what I want to talk about, only because it popped up in the mainstream press again, and when something like that pops up, it's good to refresh our memories, because I think it's been a couple years since we've touched on it. Before I get into that, I do want to give a shout-out to friends of both of ours, uh, The Fitness Edge. Yeah. Um, uh, they've, they've really done great work for both, uh, myself and Eric and many members of my family. I saw some of your family. Well, oh, yeah. I think actually said accurately, some of your family saw me They did, yes. and I yes. heard about it. Yeah. Oh, uh, you did. Okay. Well, All because right. one of the trainers walked up afterwards and he's like, Hey, uh, are you, are you Eric Robert, the guy with the, <laughs> yeah. that does helps with the radio show? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. Dr. Jones, uh, <laughs> yeah. he only was just here. Yeah. 
I said, well, did you go say anything? And they said, well, I don't think he would have recognized us. Oh, I totally would. like bums, you know? Yeah. Anyway, they've been great. Because we always dress up on Saturdays here at the radio <laughs> station. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, it's like a, yeah. like a three-piece suit every that's week. That's right. Um, but uh, they've been great for, for all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. we've, we talk about them all the time. The owner, Mike Jottis, comes on air all the time. He's due to come back in again soon, yep. I guess, in a couple weeks just to uh, kind of remind us all to eat healthy and, and try to get some exercise in. Well, I tell you what, one thing that we don't talk about much with the Fitness Edge, but that, is, that has been at least as impactful, if not more so, than the, the training itself is that they also have massage therapists oh, there. Yeah, right. it's, it's more than just the straight strength training. And, uh, and I tell you, the, the massage therapists that they have at Fitness Edge are serious. They're, they are there to help fix your ailments. Yeah. It's not, you know, a, a you know, soft, light touch <laughs> yeah, thing. It's right. like, no, we're here to fix this yeah, that's issue. Right. That's right. Yeah. Very, so lots of services offered there, but this weekend is like their, their annual client appreciation weekend where they do like fitness challenges there in the morning and some of the trainers face off against each other. So, um, this is a good weekend. If you uh, have been thinking about it to maybe check out fitness edge, their website's fitnessedge-stl.com and uh, you can see uh, profiles on all the different trainers and all the different services they offer. It's conveniently located right there in Creve Coeur um, on Old Olive. Uh, I don't know the exact address. I probably should at this point. But it's right you, there at the corner of Old Olive and, uh, and not Old Olive. Olive. Yeah, yeah, Old Olive and New Olive. <laughs> and yeah, so right there, right in the heart of everything. Really, no matter where you live in the metro area, you're about 30 minutes away, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, cl- pretty close to everybody. Um, so check him out. And like I said, Mike uh, Jodis is due to come back in in a couple uh, of April weeks. April 6th, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, a couple of weeks. So um, I just wanted to give him another shout out. The reason it was fresh on my mind was when I was there last, what is today? Today's Saturday. Okay, so when I was there uh, <laughs> yesterday, um, I saw a guy coming in after he had just gotten off of work. You yeah, know, he's in yeah. his business attire, probably like you are when yeah, you walk yeah. in. And, you know, you could tell he's got the day's stresses on his mind as yeah. he's walking in. But as he's walking in and everyone's saying, hey, hey, you know, they all yeah. know your name somehow. Right. And they're like, hey, and, and I could just see him as he stepped further and further into the gym and got closer and closer to getting to get into the locker room and get yeah. ready for his workout. I could just kind of see the day's stresses melt away yeah. from him. So yeah. it just reminded me to, because we hadn't talked about it in a while, check them out. They're great people. Um, absolutely. Couldn't recommend them any higher. It's uh, fitnessedge-stl.com. And if you're trying to get yourself healthy, especially coming into summer here, um, now's a good time to start. I can't imagine starting anywhere else and with them. I think they've well, been great. You know, Dr. Jones, that's a great point. This isn't fitness edge specific but you know one of the things that uh you, know, you see it in sitcoms all the time cheers you know yeah. it's like they go to the bar everybody knows yeah. your name yeah. right right but that's that's probably one of the coolest things about having a regular experience at whether it's a fitness center even the big box gyms will have that if you go at the same time every yeah. day yeah, right. you start to build this camaraderie yeah, with do. a group of people yeah. and that's a, that's a big relief it really is um, for me especially it's been a huge stress relief um actually i think when on one of the day weekends you were out here we did a show on the positive impact of exercise on anxiety and depression because an article or a study had just come out in the mainstream press um, where they're actually now scientifically able to show what sorts of hormones are being released to improve things like stress and anxiety and depression from working out. So there is real science behind it. It's not just, you're not just, we're not just putting out feel good feelings here. There's some actual science behind it. Um, and so on a day like this where it's raining and it's overcast and maybe you're looking for something to do, you know, check them out at Fitness Edge. I think they're great. Uh, and what a better way to spend your weekend 
than trying to get healthy. There you go. So uh, we got to go to the first break. We got to, to play some commercials. Then we come back. Let's just refresh our memory. Talk about some of the studies about ADD slash ADHD um, because of the new article that was in the Wall Street Journal. So we'll have more eye on health after these words. Welcome back. It's Eye on Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11 here on 97.1 FM News Talk, we're talking about your health. We are. Or maybe your kid's health. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe your health. I don't know. My name is Mike Jones. I got Eric Beto Robert running everything over there. That's still bothering you, or have you, it doesn't you bother. started to it's, accept it now? Uh, no, no, no. I've, I'm, you know, I've fully uh, betaized myself. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> all right, let's stay on the rails. Yeah, We're staying on, on the, the rails. rails. Okay, all right. We did a great job last week, Doctor Jones. We, did, we, we really, can get through this. show. I think it's because I was sick. That's probably what it was. Like it was like I had to. I just had to stay on yeah. target. Okay, yeah. so. What I wanted to talk about was there was an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal, um, which I guess is mainstream media, although it's probably the most reliable piece of the mainstream media that I consume, talking about overdiagnosing, uh, no, not necessarily that, talking about overtreating um, children with ADHD, which is the Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder um, or Attention Deficit Disorder, um, that's the ADD without the hyperactivity part. And we've done full episodes on this. Um, I think we've done several over the course of the last six or seven years. Um, But it's good to refresh our memory every time. And every time we have a specialist in, what I'm always asking them is, is this really becoming that common? Like, like is the actual incidence of ADHD really going up or are we just diagnosing it more? And, you know, there's a lot of uh, disease processes that we ask that question right. to when we have a specialist here. Is it more common or are we just diagnosing it more? And really, if you look at all the data, and one of the articles uh, that I was researching on was from Harvard. I've yeah. kind of heard of them before. Yeah, once or twice. I think they're okay. They they have a great article. I emailed it to you, Eric. I'll try to put it up on the website, so if anyone wants to reference it, reference it. And what it talks about is, according to these researchers, we really should be topping out another maximum number of kids that probably really qualify for the diagnosis of around 5%. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really where these researchers really feel like um, that's the top amount, really, that we yeah. should be diagnosing. But if you look at this article from Harvard, they were looking at certain communities in Virginia in some school districts, they diagnosed 28% of fifth grade boys with yeah. ADHD. Wow. 28, I mean, that's yeah. a third of yeah. them, right? Yeah. So they're saying, you know, really, we probably would top out around 5%. But if you're just lazy in your diagnosing, you could diagnose 30% of fifth grade boys with having ADHD, yeah. right? And do 30% of them really have ADHD? Probably not. They're probably rambunctious or whatever. Yeah, well, and, and so I just, I mean, full disclosure here, I have a child who's been diagnosed with ADHD, and this has been, a, a, you know, I won't say it's a difficult thing to walk through. There's much more challenging concerns in parenthood. Um, but but when you're making those important decisions with and for your child about how to handle these situations, I've asked a lot of the questions that are asked in this article where you're going, boy, the school system's so different than it was when we were kids, where it's much more rigid and, and administrative. And I, I've just found that seven-year-olds aren't very conducive to operating in that environment and how much of it's that you know the the other thing is when you see these you know very high levels of diagnoses particular there's sometimes socioeconomic patterns no doubt and you look at that and you go is it actually a physiological thing or is it maybe kids need structure 
and there are certain socioeconomic patterns that where that structure isn't as available and and so instead of fixing the structure we're giving them a pill that's exactly right i mean that if you read the wall street journal article it's that's basically yeah. nailing it right there. So then, okay, so then if we're really going to be diagnosing this correctly, what are the things that a clinician would be looking for? And the I think everyone probably knows these things, but let's just enumerate them here. Um, uh, children in constant motion, mm-hmm. they squirm and fidget, they make careless mistakes, they often lose things, they do not seem to listen, easily distracted, and have trouble finishing tasks. So, now, seven-year-olds. Yeah. Now, if you yeah. list that, that's like every single kid you've ever come yeah. across, yeah. right? I mean, now, you know, let me see. Because just, just in in fairness to, I don't want to. There's people listening right now that have kids with legitimate ADHD, and they know it because they've experienced it. And I've been there because yeah. I see it. Yeah. There's a real difference, right? You know. Well, here, here's a distinguishing feature, though. Okay, yeah. so those those are all common symptoms that you would expect. You could probably walk up to someone on the street and ask them. Uh, well, maybe not that guy. I don't think I'd <laughs> ask that guy anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you could ask some, <laughs> almost everyone else on the street, and they would give you those symptoms or some of them. But here's the kicker, though. The, they have to have those things, and it has to affect their functioning yes. in two different environments. Uh-huh. Okay, so in other words, if your teacher calls you up and tells you your kid is doing all of these things— and, and, you know, it's affecting their functioning in school. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at your kid and, like, at home, that kid is a perfect angel and yeah. does every single thing you're telling him. Right. Well, then it's not a physiologic thing, right? Then there's something maybe wrong with the school that they're in right. or vice versa. If at home, the kid's an absolute terror and then they get to school and they're like a perfect angel and they're getting yeah. all their homework done. It really has to affect them in two different types of environment and it has to affect their functioning. Yeah. If not then those are just normal symptoms that a lot of kids have, especially boys have these symptoms, right? Well, and, and if, uh, if, if we rely on medical uh, or you know, medication too early, there are behavioral traits that you know, we all have sensitivities and, and issues in, in how we operate in the world. You've got to learn skills to cope with those things. That's exactly right. So if you look at the data on ADD and ADHD, mm-hmm. The first recommendation for all of these kids that are actually diagnosed, okay, so number one, let's make sure the diagnosis was correct, and it's not just a rambunctious kid, okay? Let's make sure they meet the criteria. It's affecting functioning in two different environments. The first thing that that is recommended is behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. because most of the time, if you teach some kids coping skills and how to deal with these outside stressors, you can treat the problem with behavioral therapy. The problem is, according to this recent study that was out, only 50% of parents with kids with ADHD are even offered behavioral therapy. Right. That's 50% are even offered it to. Yeah. But for medication, 75% of parents whose children are diagnosed go on the medicine. Yeah. Even though the first recommendation is supposed to be the behavioral therapy. Right. Right. So I think the author of the Wall Street Journal piece has is making a good point. Um, maybe we're overdiagnosing a little bit. But we are definitely over-medicating that that very problem because we're not trying the behavioral therapy. And it makes sense. The medicine works, right? (laughs) If if it didn't work, we wouldn't use it. And it works pretty quickly, by the way. Well, something that we're not, I don't think is directly addressed in in these articles, but that is also, because I'm aware of it because of conversations with medical professionals, uh, parents 
in some cases, driving toward that diagnosis because the same medications that are used to treat ADHD are valuable and often desired outside of giving them to the kid. I just would like that's that's a yeah. huge controversial body of of knowledge there that isn't really the point of this show. But I wonder how much of that well, push I, in. You know, I like, think it is a point of this show though because those medicines can make you do a little bit better academically, yeah, right? Yeah, there are college kids who would pay for this medicine. They would pay for this medicine. It increases your attention, increases your ability to focus on a said project. This could be a good Dr. Harvey show. It could be a good Dr. Harvey show, right? Where is is he when you need him, right? Yeah. Come on. We'll give him a call. We'll give him a call and see what he says. But I think that's a great point. I think there's a push to get these things. And the other point of it is the behavioral therapy is going to take time. Mm -hmm. It's not going to fix the problem overnight. Here we are in America. We've said this with so many different disease processes. Uh, we're looking for the, the fast, easy fix. Yeah. Um, and so we do know the medicines work. There's no doubt that they work. If they didn't work, we wouldn't use them. They work, and they work very, very quick. Sometimes within a single dose, the parents can notice a change in their child's behavior versus putting them through the behavioral therapy. So then the question is, well, who cares then if we're over medic right? Does it really matter if right. we're over-medicating? Well, the answer is, of course, yes, yeah. <laughs> because we don't know the long-term effects of what these medicines will do to the developing child. As you mentioned, if you never teach them coping skills on how to deal with some of these other things and you're just, you're just throwing the medicine at it, you have temporarily fixed the problem while they're on the medicine. But at some point, if they go off of it, you know what, what is going to be the result? They'll probably slip right back into where they yep. were. Yep. So, I um, mean... This is a combination of factors that comes up every time we talk about this topic. It is most likely being overdiagnosed or misdiagnosed. And then even when it is correctly diagnosed, the first thing that should be offered is behavioral therapy because that's been shown to be the best long-term fix for it. But that's only being offered about half the time. Sure. 75% of the time, the parents are, are, are just putting their kids on the medicine and it does work. But what is that doing long term? Right. And then when do you take them off? How long do you keep it on? These are all the questions that you have to ask. So I do think the article, or the author of the article in the Wall Street Journal was making a very good point. Mm-hmm. Where I think she strayed off the path was claiming that the medicine is always wrong. <laughs> there you go. And that's an, that's an opposite reaction that yeah. we often see. Right. And and that was the same. I you know as a parent. Whenever I was walking through these decisions, I learned very quickly not to solicit guidance or advice from anybody else in life because you never know how strongly people feel about this. Right, yeah. And then immediately you're getting check-ins on, you're not, you're not going to give them any medicine, right? right? Yeah. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First off, I haven't made a decision yet, but two, back off, yeah. okay? Like, it's my yeah. kid. You know, I understand you try to, when you're trying to make these, these points, a lot of it, unfortunately, nowadays is for clickbait and, and mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to get views on your article and hits on your article. But, you know, just because something's being overused, it doesn't mean it has no benefit whatsoever right. at all. And I think where she steered off the path was just just saying it should, you should never be offered. It should always be the behavioral therapy. And then you always have to keep someone's motivations in mind. She, uh, the author of the article, is a uh, psychologist who specializes in the behavioral therapy sure, part, sure. part of treating this, so she may have some Valid point that that's underutilized right. and needs to be u- used first. Right. But not always. But not always. It's not yeah. always the answer, right. Okay, hey, stay tuned. we got to go to break here. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about some more health-related stuff when we come back. More Eye on Health after these words.
Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ion Health. It still hasn't changed. That's right. It's still us. It's not on the money yet. That, not yet. It's still Ion Health. About, about 30 more minutes. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, we were talking about uh, ADHD and uh, the overdiagnosis, apparent overdiagnosis of that in the, uh, in, in the overall population, now, especially with kids. Now, question for you, Dr. Jones. Oh. Um, in, in you hate when I ask yes, questions. You do. Yeah, I do. Clear to I feel like I'm in medical school again. Well, <laughs> no. It's so. This is a question that I had as a parent who was faced with this diagnosis for one of my children and had to figure out what's the right path forward. And obviously, step one: behavioral therapy, trying to provide that extra structure, extra guidance as a parent to help them through the pinch points at school, in particular. Um, but then the second side was. Well, what are these medications and what do they do to my kid? Because the layman's perception, and you hear it all the time from others that, that haven't discussed it, is it changes their personality. It makes them a different person and it has some sort of long lasting effect. It, what I found to be the case as I studied the actual medications is most of them aren't long lasting. Yeah, they're the, short acting. They're short acting stimulants, right? Yeah. That's and and yep. it's day to day. Like, you don't take it on Tuesday then if you don't want to. If you yeah. don't need it, don't take it. Yeah. And um, return to normal. The real answer is we don't know the long term effects on of children mm -hmm. on these medicines because the current crop of them are they're relatively new, right? Sure. Um, so no one really knows the long term effect. But you're right. They're short acting stimulants mm -hmm. that have allowed that, that kid to focus while it's in their system. And so uh, I wouldn't be concerned about it having any sort of long-term behavioral changes to that sure. to that kid because I would say that as soon as the half-life is up and it's out of the system then the kids uh, you know, just like uh, when you drink a cup of coffee which is a stimulant sure. right I mean it's not really altering your behavior uh, long term now, now can you be uh, now t speaking of a cup of coffee though as someone who is dependent on my morning cup of coffee, <laughs> well, can you become dependent on these it. medications? And that's what you know. That's one of the points the author was uh, making was at some point, do these people need to come off of these medicines? Now we've done a show on adult ADD. I yep. don't remember when it was several years ago, but you can have it as an adult. But but she makes a good point. Well, what point do you take them off of it? And if they haven't learned proper stress coping skills mm -hmm. and haven't learned to focus on their own, yeah. right? Um, because you kind of force them to focus by giving them the stimulant, then have you really done them a favor long-term? So I don't know if it's a chemical dependency that you're really on it, but but if they're not able to focus without the medicine, then that could be a problem for sure. long-term. So um, that's why making the proper diagnosis is so important and then continuing to monitor it, just well, like you said. You it, know. And like most decisions in the medical sphere, in life generally, it's a balance of risks because some of the risks, especially when you're in the formative elementary education uh, years. So I'll, I'll give you an example. With my child who's been diagnosed, you know, they're one of the smartest kids that I know. There's no issues in terms of what they can and do understand. Yeah. But executing in the classroom sure. is a challenge. And so then I started hearing this narrative back from them. I'm no good at math. I'm no good at this. And I'd be like, honey, let's get out the, let's get out to do five math problems right now. Let's do them. They're all fine. I'm like, you're great at math. Yeah. You're, that's such a common story. You're, you just right? don't yeah. enjoy sitting in that sure, structure. Sure, and you don't want it. You don't want. Yeah, the negative side effect is what is that going to do to her long term? That's right? right. She starts to think she's bad at math and gives Maybe up freshman gives year of high school. Right, just gives yeah. up on it. Right. So there's negative consequences uh, with you know with any decision that we make. So that's a great point. Um, and the other problem is the stigma that these kids will get then from the teachers. Right. 
they go to they go from second grade to third grade, and the mm-hmm. teacher will be like, "Yeah, oh, watch out for that one." Yeah, yeah that was kind yeah. of a handful. Of watch, yeah. You know, they start to get a stigma attached to them. Yeah, and so that's why getting them properly diagnosed and getting the right treatment is critical. Whether that's just behavioral therapy or just medicine, or probably what's better is some sort of combination of both. One thing I did gloss over the last one. I want to go back to it. We always want to make sure that it's there's not something else going on. You know, mm-hmm. there are other medical reasons for your kid to have some of those symptoms, and maybe ADHD treatment isn't the best for them. You need to treat whatever the other problem is. And we've definitely covered this topic before, which are sleep issues. Yep. Um, and these kids that are on their phones all night long, mm-hmm. they have that that stimulation coming from the blue light from their, yep. their screens, and they're not sleeping well. And a child that's not sleeping well is going to be hyperactive the next day. That may seem counterintuitive, but any parents know the term, my kid is overtired. Yeah. Any parent yeah. knows that overtired kids are a handful. And so sleep sleep problems have got to be ruled out Dr. for sure. Dr. Jones, why doesn't it work that way as an adult? As somebody who's very tired today, I would love if every day I didn't get enough sleep. <laughs> right. and you I just was hyperactive the next day. I, I just know. I wish. I wish it worked that way. Nobody can get me down. <laughs> so number one, let's make sure that sleep issues have been fully ruled out. Also other um, you know, psychiatric problems like anxiety and depression, they need to be ruled out. Chronic stress on these kids or some sort of trauma in their life that they haven't learned to cope with can cause similar symptoms like that. So, And then the other one that is sometimes overlooked, especially in boys, is just being immature, right? Maybe you thought you could start your kid in kindergarten at a certain age, and maybe it would have been better to hold them back and start them a year later. Those things all have to be ruled out before you just jump to a diagnosis of ADHD, or or it's not that the treatment that we give you is not going to fix the problem because you haven't fixed the underlying problem. And I think sleep is one, as we've had several sleep specialists on, especially Dr. Ogile, who will tell us that sleep is always misdiagnosed or yeah. underdiagnosed in these kids. So check out their sleep patterns. Try to uh, remove technology uh, inputs to that kid by around 7 o'clock or so at night because the more they have the light coming from these screens, it triggers the reaction in the brain, and the brain says it's daytime, not nighttime, and so it's it's hard for that kid to fall asleep. Well, you have to think that the the lack of sleep and the crossover with seeming uh, ADHD like symptoms is so relevant because if you know you're you're a doctor you're in a heavy information loaded job where sometimes you have to operate on little sleep and uh, whenever we, I'm in the same position although it's very much not a doctor but I work in a field where I have to be able to think every day and those days where I'm coming in on five hours of sleep because it was just a bad night for whatever reason uh, you can tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, if you're a yeah. kid who needs even more sleep and say you only get seven hours when you needed nine or nine and a half, and then you got to go do algebra all day. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You might, sure, you huh? might get a little skittish there. Yeah. And then, and then something else we haven't talked about is ADHD can actually give you poor sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. first of all, we have to rule out sleep as a potential cause for some of your activity. But then if you truly do have ADHD, it can affect their sleep patterns, and so you really have to be up on their sleep hygiene, like Dr. Ogile talks about, which means cutting off the technology at a certain point. I'll tell you, one of the problems with that is the amount of homework these kids have nowadays, oh and a lot of it is technology-dependent. Yep. They either have to get stuff, pull up stuff on a computer or on their phone, and I, th- I guess it's good that we're teaching kids how to use this technology, but yep. they're so dependent on the technology to do their homework, it's hard to have that good sleep hygiene that right. the sleep specialists want them to have. Yeah. 
the homework is nuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking like in first, second grade. Holy cow! I'm like, well, what are they doing during the actual school hours? Yeah, to not be able to do the home. You know, well, I just like, <laughs> and who signed me up for the second and third and fourth job of well, teaching? Because uh, you know, three quarters math, of the yeah, homework right. isn't homework. <laughs> it's like projects for the parents. <laughs> oh. Sorry, sorry. That's a little side. <laughs> it's a little so side thing. It's so true. Yeah. Uh, right. Hey, uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about that's somewhat related to this. Um, we have kicked around this issue, um, you know, indirectly when we've had specialists on, especially the the some of the teen counselors. Um, like, um, um, oh, who's our teen counselor that we have on? His name slipping me, slipping. Oh, are you thinking of Ned? Ned. Ned. Yeah, yeah. Ned Presnell. From, I want to uh, say Clayton Ed, Behavioral. Yeah. Ned. Um, we've kicked around this thing um, about the effect of screen time yeah. on kids. Yeah. And um, what does that mean for society as a whole as this whole next generation of kids starts to become adults, yeah. right? Who their entire uh, world is, is online. Yep. Their um, interactions with their peers is more over texting and snapchatting mm-hmm. than it is talking to someone mm-hmm. that is going to absolutely affect society right it i mean it has to yeah but what is it doing to these individuals well the government wanted to look into this right <laughs> and so in a study was just released by the nih mm-hmm. so a, this was a 300 million dollar study if you want to know the price tag good good i'm glad you know <laughs> yeah glad we were able to so really part of that $22 trillion debt, you know $300 million of Let it me was say, this study right here. I would much rather spend $300 million on this study than whatever it was, the $500 million on lobster oh. that we saw about in September. Oh, my gosh. I just saw this thing about they're, they're studying how to teach mariachi. Why is our government studying how to teach? Listen, be more culturally adopted. <laughs> I, yeah, I, mean, I will, but does my government need to spend money on how to teach it? I, anyway, <laughs> $300 million of our $22 trillion debt yeah. was spent on this study. But this was interesting. They looked at MRI scans of these kids' brains, yeah. and they looked at it and they compared you know, who got the more screen time. And, and the, the underlying question was, does increased screen time actually affect the developing brains of young kids. What do you what do you think? Absolutely. The, the answer was and we're talking about the developing brain, does it is there a, a physical change that an MRI scan could pick up pick up? We're not talking about does it change them socially. I sure, think we've sure. all agreed that yeah, it's going to change them socially. And at, listen to what the study found. Kids who spend more than 7 hours per day on an electronic device which unfortunately is not as un. When you say it out yeah, loud, I don't it know, sounds though. like Ugh. seven hours is a lot. Though. Well, no, that's what. But that's what I'm saying is uh, it is a lot. It's that it, my kids are not spending seven hours. You know, yeah. but there are kids out there that well, obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> so kids that spend seven hours a day mm-hmm. actually showed changes on their MRI. They showed thinning in the cortex premature thinning of the mm. white matter of your brain similar to someone that's like 80 years old yeah, yeah. that has you know thinning in seven hours a day these are kids yeah so what is that going to mean for that that adult we brain we don't know we don't really know yeah. right um the other thing that this study looked at were tests test scores they did um language and thinking tests they decided to not do traditional iq tests for some reason but they did language and thinking tests Kids that spent more than two hours per day on a screen scored lower on the language and thinking test. Mm-hmm. 
than kids that, that did not. Mm-hmm. So um, not only are there lower test scores from this, there's MRI evidence that there's thinning in your brain. So if, if you're a parent or, or maybe you're a grandparent and you're, you're concerned about this issue and looking for solutions, we've talked about some on the air here before. But I, I have to tell you, this, this is why I say, they're you know, holy cow, think of how many kids are out there spending seven hours or more. Because I know if I didn't proactively make sure that those devices shut down and get put away during yeah. certain periods of the day... My kids would, given the opportunity, unfettered access to an iPhone they would spend or iPad. Twenty four hours yeah, on it. Exactly. I don't think they'd ever put it down. It, right. you, so I, in my home, I, uh, you need to go into settings if you're using Apple devices. Look at the screen time settings. It's a relatively new thing. It's wonderful. You can turn off all the apps during certain periods of the day. Set time limits on them. This. So the reason Apple set their new screen time. Um, there's like a screen time, uh, I guess it just quantifies your screen yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, just, uh, you, you go into uh, hit your settings button, and it's about halfway down the screen, you'll see screen time right there. The reason they did it mm-hmm. um, was based on s- some of the results from this government study, so you can track your kid's screen time. What I seem to notice is there's a lot of quick looks at the screen, a quick look and look at a text, and then yep. the phone goes down. So I do think it'd be hard to accumulate seven hours, yeah. but you're right. If you gave them just completely unfettered access, I wouldn't be surprised if they yeah. don't look at it for seven hours straight, yeah. really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was somewhat related with what we're talking about here. Okay, hey, we got to go to break again. When we come back, we're going to be uh, finishing up with the show. So stay tuned for more Eye on Health after these words. Welcome back. It's Eye on Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11, talking about your health care, talking about your kids' health care today. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Covering, we have a lot of kids' health care to talk about. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Between the two of us, yeah. we could open a pediatric hospital. Yeah, right? We really could, <laughs> yeah. Way too many And kids. staff it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, uh, hey, I'll try to put some of these articles up online. I think some of them are important. Uh, remember, uh, we we say this with pretty much everything. Uh, there's no there's no black or white answer. Yeah. Um, but just make sure, number one, your kid's properly diagnosed. If you're not sure, there is nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. It mm-hmm. doesn't offend any doctor. No, get a second opinion if you're not quite sure. There's nothing wrong with that's it. such an important thing to hear from a doctor. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that. That you know, a doctor's going to look at that and go, "Hey, if this were my kid, and yeah. I'm a parent trying to make an informed decision about sure. a topic where I'm relying on third party opinions." Yeah. I might get a second get a opinion. Get a third opinion. Get yeah. a fourth opinion. Right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Most of the time when you get a second or third opinion, it lines up with the first one anyway, and then you just feel better that yeah. the, the thing was done correctly. But don't don't think it's offending the other doctor. It's sometimes yeah. good to have a colleague look at another patient and say, oh, these are my thoughts on it. There's nothing wrong with that. At the end of the day, as a parent, your child's health is your responsibility. Obviously, it's your responsibility to make it their responsibility too. But you know, if you just outsource all that decision making to a, a dis, you know, third party sure. who's not there every sure. day, sure, yeah, yeah, it's just such a great point. Um, hey, I want to end on a little bit of different note. Sure, we're yeah. coming. You've up got to the time. End of the show you got okay. five minutes. I saw this. <laughs> I saw this article. It's somewhat health related. So you know how they say like dogs start to look like their owners. <laughs> Have you ever heard? That? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, these um, researchers in Austria did a study, not on looks, but on personality. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they found that dogs do mirror their owner's personality the longer they're with the owners. That's funny. What's also interesting is the dog's personality can also affect the owner's personality, but to a lesser degree. 
And in particular, when you're talking about negative emotions. Sure. So if the owner is very anxious and very uh, um, worked up and, and worried about something, the dog will absolutely take that on. Um, so especially on the negative end of the scale. So um, they've done studies to show that dogs do take on the personality of their owners. So here's, here's the conundrum. What if your jo- dog is a jerk? You know, these dogs that are jerks, yeah, they just bark. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, they're just like always w- yeah. yapping about yeah, something. Right, yeah, that's Won't you. let up. That is you. Yeah, that's you. You rubbed off of the dog, and look what you created. Look what you did here. Yeah. Uh, and like my dog, is they, he is not bright. Yeah. Now, his brain is about the size of a peanut. Sure. But what does that say about me? He also I mean, likes to urinate everywhere. <laughs> he did not get Dr. that Jones, from me. anything that get, you'd like to tell us. He did not get that one from yeah. me, though. Anyway, I thought that was kind of cute and interesting. Uh, you, the dogs do take on their owners' personalities. Who, who, anybody, who yeah, anybody who's had it's especially I don't, you know, there's certain types of dogs that seem like to, just anecdotal. My totally non-professional opinion here. I'm less qualified to comment on animal biology <laughs> than I am on anything related to this hey, show. Listen though, yeah, I think we're I think we're like seven years into this. We are. So you're through medical school. Wow. And you're almost through your residency, man. Yeah. But that's for humans. Yeah, that's true. That's we got to do a whole nother, nother seven, seven years, years for, for dogs. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Though. But it's uh, you. Like I look at like labs and golden retrievers and things like that's where I can see it the most. Because with the smaller dogs, they're just they're well, they're so like particular to the breed. You know, it's hard to gauge how much is them versus that personality. And uh, but, but yeah, those those larger dogs, I it cracks me up. <laughs> that's funny. So the next time you're like. Either looking at your own dog, or you're over at you know a friend's house and their dog is behaving poorly, then that's that's the owner's fault. Just remind right? them. That's right. Just let the that's owner it. know the dog took on your personality. Yeah. And look at him; he's humping the furniture over there. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Look, Where'd look, he get that look from? What you did. Look what you did. Where'd he get he that just from? Peed on the floor. He's. You excited. can't tell me he learned that from nowhere. <laughs> that's right. He's excited, so he peed on the floor. Did you pee on the floor? Right. My dog used to. My dog used to like go on jailbreak escapes every time somebody opened the door. So I wonder what that. <laughs> he'd always come back, but man, he'd just yeah. like bam, jet out the door. Meanwhile, I open the door, and my dog's like, "Uh, uh-uh, no way, no, 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 not going out there today." I like this perfectly controlled environment indoors. I'm yeah. not going to be treading out there today. Um, hey, we got on the money coming up with Bob Stockdale, we do. so we can talk about that. Um, always got great information. Hey. Oh, we're running out of time. You're playing the music. Yeah, well, you got, you got, no, you got another uh, 45 seconds. I love, just as, the, the, I'm going to throw this at you in sure. these 45 seconds. Uh, Captain Marvel, comic book movie comes yeah. out. Yeah. And the lady that's in it says, I don't want middle-aged white guys to go see my movie. I don't know that you get to decide that. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have signed well, up to be a, in the... Here's a pro tip. You're make, that's exactly your target audience, lady. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's you're who's gonna, reading your comic book. That it's, it's in your best interest <laughs> here <laughs> to discourage those <laughs> middle aged white men. All right, Goodness stay tuned gracious. for On the Money uh, with Bob Stockdale. Have a great week. Get more at 971talk.com.